Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I am so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two awesome kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we are in this together, and thankfully, we have so many wonderful people we can call on to get the help and insight we need. Today, we're discussing how to talk to kids about treating each other with dignity and respect, something we all care deeply about, I'm sure. What are the cultural messages that our kids receive? Are there differences between how boys deal with their relationships and girls cope with their relationships? How do kids bond and what do betrayals look like? How do we talk to other kids when our child has been the instigator of aggressive or bullying behavior? and their child is the target? Or how do we talk to other parents when our child has been the one on the receiving end of aggressive or bullying behavior from their child? These are complicated questions. They are complicated relationships. So I'm so glad and I Thank goodness that we have the best expert there is to talk about these issues, my friend and colleague, Rosalind Wiseman. Now, you likely have heard of her and read her insightful books. You may have seen her present or perhaps even seen the movie Mean Girls with Lindsay Lohan, which is based on her thoughtful work. Let me tell you a little bit more about my friend, Rosalind Wiseman. She's had one job since graduating college, and that is to help communities shift the way they think about children and teens' emotional and physical well-being. As a teacher, a thought leader, an author, and a media spokesperson on bullying, ethical leadership, the use of social media, and media literacy, she is in constant dialogue and collaboration with educators, parents, children, and teens. She's got the goods. Rosalind is the author of The Flexible Dynamic Curriculum, Owning Up. It's great, empowering adolescents to confront social cruelty, bullying, and injustice. This is something I have a copy of, and it is really terrific. She is the author of Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and the New Realities of Girl World, the groundbreaking, best-selling book that is the basis of Mean Girls. And she also is the author of the book for parents and educators of boys, masterminds, and wingmen. All of these you could check out on her website at culturesofdignity.com. I'm so grateful to call her my friend. You're just going to love her. I know you'll get so much out of today's show on talking to kids about dignity and respect for others, conflict, relationships, bullying. Thank you so much for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything, Rosalind. We are so glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me, Robin. I'm so thrilled. And before we get really started with everything and get into the meat of the matter, because I know there's so much... For those people who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure to meet you, read your books, enjoy your curriculum, or listen to you speak, would you just take a moment to tell us 
what is it that gets you up in the morning? What do you think about before you sleep at night? Really, what <laughs> what are you passionate about? What is it? Oh, wow. Well, what did I do? I woke up this morning thinking about laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, and uh, getting my kids, you know, up in time to not be late for school. Yes, and, me too. Um, <laughs> and then I and then I thought about um, the schools that I was that I'm working with mm-hmm. and getting ready for um, for some of the partnerships that I'm working with schools. We have a lot of partnerships around the country. So there's a lot going on um, with a new curriculum that we have. So that's what I was thinking about when I woke up this morning. Oh, I'm so excited about the new curriculum. Could you just tell us a little bit about what what that new curriculum is, is sure. all about? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, thanks. It's called, and you've been such a supporter of it, and so I just really appreciate it. It's called Owning Up, and I actually did it um, uh, many years ago, but mm-hmm. I had to redo it because things have changed so much. Sure. But it's um, really a, it's a ethical leadership, media literacy, bullying prevention program for middle school and high school people. But what's really different about it is that um, young people don't really like to talk about bullying. They get really mm-hmm. tired of it and they feel like they're being lectured to. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, really, the stuff they get is pretty unrealistic and it doesn't connect with a lot of the things that they can relate to in life. And so what Owning Up does is it works with teachers to be able to design what they need for their kids and and that for their students because they know their students the best and then they design what we've given them in a way that they can create a program that they can then work with the students so we're working a lot with with teachers mm-hmm. to be able to give them the skills that they need because teachers get so frustrated rightfully so when people say all right there's this new program and here's a book go teach it and right they don't they don't get the training they need mm-hmm. and they don't get the flexibility that really reflects what they need for the classroom mm-hmm. it, I think you hit the nail on the head there because when we give somebody a, a, a book and say go learn it go do it you know you feel very alone and oh my gosh it, totally. it's, it's overwhelming and and mm-hmm. usually you don't even want to open that book or you skim mm-hmm. through it and you put it back on the shelf. I, one mm-hmm. of the things that I love about Owning Up is that you provide such great scripting, which is what we're all about here, and the tips, and you take people through how to do it. You, you really take them by the hand, and it's it's so appreciated. I feel like it's one of those programs that people can really turn to, use, and get great results from right away. Mm, yeah, well, thank you. I mean, that's, I don't really see the point of working in education unless we're actually doing things that can work. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure that everybody really appreciates you when you, you talk to them about this curriculum because it really is a curriculum. It's not a, mm-hmm. just a book. It, it's actually giving you the how-tos. And, and yes. I think that's really important. And that's what, that's what parents want, that's what educators want. So yes. we're appreciative of that. I know that you have written about both sides, and I've read your books. Uh, You've written about the world of girls. You've written about the world of boys. You have dealt very deeply into the different roles of girls and boys that they play in peer groups, the various pressures that boys and girls feel, and what it means to have a successful relationship, a dignified connection. So after writing about all of this, if you could just explain to us what the key differences are between boy world and girl world? Well, I mean, for me, boy world and girl world are what the culture, everything you know, but have never been done down and taught, just how boys learn what the culture and people want of them and expect of them. And a lot of times those lessons 
and those messages are, are not, they're not explicit. And for, I mean, sometimes they're explicit, sometimes they're not. And for girls too, that there's these rules that we learn that we oftentimes don't realize about what's expected of us. And so for boys and girls, you know, boys and girls have a lot of different feelings about, and they think a lot about and have different opinions about the world that they're living in. Mm -hmm. So girls and boys are not this monolithic group, but every, but all of them have to deal with different kinds of things about the culture. So I'm going to give you an example Mm -hmm. of it for both boys and girls, which is one of the things I'm trying to personally stop is that people, without really understanding, I think, what they're saying, is say, oh, boys are so easy and mm. girls are so hard. Mm-hmm. And that actually is a cultural message that's not helpful for both boys and for girls because what it's saying about boys is is that, you know, if you ha- get upset about things, if you, if you show that you're upset about stuff, if you mm-hmm. have a complicated reaction to something, mm-hmm. um, then there's something wrong with you. Right. And so what we're doing, we say to boys that they're so easy is we're saying, roll everything off of your back. Don't let, don't get, if they're, if you actually stand up for something, if you're upset about something and people could see it, then there is something wrong with you. And so boys learn, it's one of the reasons why boys learn to not say anything when they see things that are really messed up around them. Because if they do, then we've been telling them that there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And then for girls on their side, when we say girls are so hard, they're so mean, they're so clicky, they're so this, they're so that. What we're also saying is, in, is we're giving a message that that's what girls should expect to have right. and not that they shouldn't expect to have relationships that are really strong. And so, yes, girls have complicated relationships, but so do boys. Right. And girls do look openly, you know, sometimes in their lives they can go after each other. And that, so it doesn't take away from the fact that girls are dealing with that stuff. But we can't set it as the standard because we will, you rise to the standard. You rise to the expectation. So it's really important that that's like a cultural rule that is being told to boys and girls, and we don't understand how it's impacting or influencing boys and girls' behavior. Mm-hmm. So if a, a parent has a boy, they need to then be more accepting of the varied responses that they may have to different expectations or different situations. And they also need to maybe quit all the specific expectations they have about girls and what they absolutely will encounter ever in every connection or relationship that they have. Exactly. I mean, there are so many examples of this, but I think what's important is that, you know, boys have friendships that mean something to them Mm -hmm. and those, and it doesn't, you know, they might not look as close as what girls, as girls relationships, but truly if you see like a group of boys sitting on a couch and, you know, three of them have consoles and they all have phones, but they're all talking to each other and they're all eating Doritos and, mm-hmm. you know, Izzy's or whatever, you know, soda that they're drinking. And I know that that's unhealthy, but that's another <laughs> podcast, but it's another really one. important to actually see like how those boys, like that's bonding, right. like right. that's tight, like right. those boys, that's how they get through. Right. And it also means even though that those relationships are tight, it also means that those boys can have tremendous betrayals within that friendship and tremendous frustrations. Mm-hmm. So they're complicated. Boys' relationships can be complicated. Um, and so that's the thing I want us to look at is that, you know, if our son doesn't want to talk to us about something, very well might be because he doesn't want to talk about something that's really painful for him. Um, and it's just not so obvious as it is with girls. And I know that in your books, you provide information on, you know, being a man and being a girl and what that sort of means. And I, I can imagine that 
if a boy is then being emotional or having an emotional response to a relationship or a connection, that it's it's not only you know, something's wrong with you, but perhaps people think that they're acting girlish, girly. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. So then we're emasculating boys that whenever they, you know, are showing some kind of complex feeling about something that we're emasculating them and then we're like surprised when they won't talk to us Mm -hmm. or we're there. We're surprised when they get into situations that are messy especially as they get older mm-hmm. and where bad stuff is going down and they literally do not have the words to be able to speak out. Oh, I really want to underscore that because uh, then there is a way that to open that door, to mm-hmm. make that communication more open simply by not shutting down our boys and also not assuming things for our girls and just mm-hmm. keeping those the dialogue open. But waiting for the response without coming with your own preconceived notions. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Because we, we won't see, you know, when boys get, for example, when boys express their anger, a lot of times they're sitting on stuff and sitting on stuff and then they lash out. Mm -hmm. And we think that it's just like being completely out of control. But what I think is, is that boys are sitting on things and they don't know how to express their anger and because they just they and they bottle it up and bottle it mm-hmm. up and girls do that, too. Right. But when that happens, they go out, they get out of control. And then we start to think that there's something like pathologically wrong right. with them. Right. But it's not. So we haven't given them the skills to be able to speak about their anger way before it or we belittle them or dismiss them or other people do Mm -hmm. when they try and express things when they're not feeling so overtly and obviously intense. Mm -hmm. Right. And we've, we've actually on this podcast talked to other experts about anger and making sure that we are giving the words to our younger boys and our younger girls so that they are able to talk about anger, but also that they practice at a younger age so that by the time they get to these more complicated ages in their school age or teen years, that they have the words, but also the practice and the habit of talking to you about Mm -hmm, their feelings. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So there's a lot of opportunities for success, and there are a lot of opportunities for mistakes in girl world and boy world, um, as we've read in your books. And, And if your child gets into trouble, okay, they've made a mistake, how do you handle it with other parents of the children who are involved? Like, what are some tips? What do we do? What are some scripts that we do use in those types of situations? Well, I mean, there's two different ways to approach that. One is when your child is involved in the problem, mm-hmm. and then there's your child is on the receiving end of a problem. So Got which it. one do you want to do first? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about when your child is involved with the problem first, and okay. then when they're on the receiving end. Okay. So, I mean, I think most, like, some of the structure is the same, which is that you, the first way in which you communicate is that you, by email or by phone, you say, "Hey, like some message that says, "Hey, I've got something I think with that's I think you'd be that you think it's important for me to talk to you about. I think it's important. When's a good time for us? To, what's a, when's a good time for you today or tomorrow?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it, you don't have to go into like the long, right. long details, which is why people do it right. first, or they see the person and like explode on the person because they've been <laughs> holding this stuff in for a long time. Right. So the first thing you do is you send a mature, like basically professional email of like or some kind of communication that says like, "Hey, I've got this thing that I think it's important for us to talk about. When's a good time?" 
And then when in preparation for that phone call or that communication, um, I want you to think about the three things that are most important for you to communicate, no matter how the conversation goes, which by the way means that I don't, I really do not think that sending an email for most people is a, is the way to do this. It's terrible. We actually terrible. need, we are, yeah, we actually need to talk to people. Yes. And, you know, I just had an experience with a coach who loved to text, like, in t- mm-hmm. like ridiculous amounts of information over as if we were having this conversation by text. Text is not, yeah. is not appropriate for long, complex Mm-mm. conversations. And my husband and I would have to say to him, like, well, actually, we need to get on the phone with yes. you and talk to you. Yes. So um, in any case, so you said, what are the, you, in preparation, you say, what are the top three things that I have to communicate in this conversation no matter what happens? And, um, and then when you talk to the person, I would say, you know, I've got this thing that's really uncomfortable. This is a little uncomfortable for me to talk about, but I thought it's important for you to know. Yes. And then I would say, okay, what exactly happened? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, even, and even if it's happening all the time, and this is important because lots of times when I hear parents frustrations with this stuff is that they get caught up in the, well, the kids are doing it all the time, so it doesn't matter. Mm. So the really important thing to focus on is just because it's normal, meaning common, it doesn't, it, if it means that it's demeaning or degrading another child, then it's not right. Right. So just because it's, it's common doesn't make it right. Um, and so I would say exactly what you don't like and exactly what you want. And if your child is part of the problem, I would include, this is the way I'm disciplining my child, so I just wanted you to know that, mm-hmm. and um, so that you're informed, and that we, you know, and so think about it, uh, you know, if you want to talk later, I'll be around, um, thank you so much for listening to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's how I do this, it's really important, and I've had to do this as a parent, Yes, is to communicate to the parents, here is how, here are my standards, here are my values, and here's the, di- here's the discipline, here were the rules. Here was the rule that I perceived was broken, and here, here is how I'm disciplining the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love all of our kids. Yay, kids! Yay, kids! <laughs> Yay, kids! <laughs> Anybody wants to talk to me? Here's my cell number. You know, peace mm-hmm. out. Right. And then the the next is is if your child's on the receiving end, then I think it's also you know a lot of it's the same, which is what's the three things you want to talk about? You know, get, having a professional way to you know non emotional way to talk to set up the conversation. And then when you say what you don't like, I think part of the conversation is either, you know, I'm is saying something like, you know, it is very possible that my child in some way contributed to this problem or there is something that I don't know about this situation mm-hmm. that would make it, you know, that would help me understand what's going on. So it's really important to be able to say like I, I and you might not know everything that's going on and y- your child might have contributed to the problem. We tend to see this bullying stuff as being so one way, oh, so, so one way. Important. Yes. And and I and I mean I'm telling you, like I just dealt with a school where a girl had been unbelievably nasty to a group of girls for a, a while, mm-hmm. and then this poor girl had a health condition that happened where she was losing some of her hair, and so the girls that were on the receiving end of her being so mean for so long did some very very nasty things to her about this health problem. And so the sister, you know, some of her people in her family saw that mm-hmm. and then and saw the mean things that these other girls were doing and then posted on social media about how horrible these girls were. It, we can't take away from what the girls did. That was terrible. 
but we have to understand the context in which these things are happening because if we want the chance of actually being able to address the problem so young people can learn from it, then we have to have an understanding in a, as best we can of what happened that created the dynamic. It's really, it's, it's, I know it, it does happen where kids go after one kid for quote unquote no reason, I get that. But in my experience, the vast majority of times when I'm dealing with kids, there is at least some stuff going both ways. Oh, I think that's some really important information because if we deny that point, then we are we're closing our eyes. We're just mm-hmm. missing we're missing an opportunity to get to the meat of the matter, but we're we're really just closing our eyes and it's not doing any good service to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. because you're not addressing the full problem. Um, exactly. That's really important. I I also want to just, you know, highlight and and put a a high beam on one of the things that you said, which was that when you're texting, when you're emailing somebody, really, you just have to stick to the facts and not in terms of giving them a laundry list of all the things that are going on, but rather Mm -hmm. who and what do you want to happen from this email? Okay, we're going to have a meeting, not I'm going Mm -hmm. to dump on you. The who, Mm -hmm. the what, if there's a where that you're meeting and or a when you're calling. But if you have to get into why, you're going down the wrong path. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And you don't, and you really don't, like parents, I think, need to think that they have this like laundry list of things of all the bad things the other person did. You really don't need to do no. that because it's overwhelming yes. to hear like what a brat your child's being. Right. So really like pick like one or two things or <laughs> right. a pattern of behavior, like, right. And yes. the other part I would say to parents is we have a tendency when we don't feel that we're being believed to say something like, and all the other parents feel this way too. Oh. That's right. really something I would stay away from because <laughs> yes. first of all, that makes the person freak out. Right. And then they, they also can say, really? Who? Who? You t- need to tell yes. me exactly who the people are. And then what are you going to do? You're going to like actually, without their permission, tell right. if, this, if this is the case, the people that have complained also about this kid. So don't do that because no. there's no way to win and that you don't get anywhere closer to a goal of getting the person to hear you. Right. You just feel like you're making your words bolder, but actually you're, you're sinking yourself. Yeah. <laughs> a bad situation. Yeah. And you know, that person's just going to start calling everybody. Did you yeah. say anything? Has anybody, exactly. this is bad news. Okay. So one of the most important topics to parents that I speak with and, and perhaps you find the same thing is that, they want their kids to treat others with respect, be good people. And they mm-hmm. want, of course, their children to be treated with respect and kindness and dignity. There's no question that one of our fears as a parent is that our child will be treated poorly or that our child will treat others poorly. That's horrifying. So mm-hmm. can you give us some tips or a script to talk to kids about treating each other with dignity and respect? Well, yeah. I mean, so here's, this is the way I say it to kids is, you know what, like conflict's going to happen. People are going to annoy you. People are going to abuse their power. Um, And that's just a fact of life. And the goal for you is to be able to navigate that when you see it so that you, it, it doesn't like take over or like your, you know, your feelings about stuff, like you lose your words or you feel manipulated or you feel like you feel like you have no choice in your friendships, like mm-hmm. based on the way they're treating you. So that, you know, things are going to happen. And 
your job is to be able to learn how to manage that. And that does not come overnight. It, it's a process. And it's also about understanding how adults can help you but not do the work for you. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, so for me, with kids, it's really important to also separate the difference between drama and bullying. Okay. So that bullying is about, like, you know, going after somebody for what they are, like, or what they're perceived to be and what they're identified to be. And drama is a conflict that's usually going both ways and people think it's entertaining, right? right? But the problem, the thing, I don't want to take away from drama because drama can be really painful for kids. I mean, really, truly. Like, so I don't want, so just because you don't label bullying doesn't mean it's a problem. So, but it's important to be able to separate the two because not being included on an Instagram post, I don't think is bullying. Like not being invited <laughs> right. maybe to a party, to a birthday party is maybe not bullying, mm-hmm. it, right? It could right. be drama. It right. could be rejection. Right. It could, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that it rises to that level. And I think we've got to be really careful about the words that we use because kids I are blowing off the word bullying all the time. They don't want to talk about it. Right. So, um, so that's the way I frame it for young people. And I say to them, look, you're not, you could be like 100% miserable and I'm not going to get you down to 0% of misery overnight. That's not the way this goes. Mm-hmm. But what I can do by trying to figure out what's happened and give you some, a way of thinking it through is that you can go from a hundred percent of misery to like 96% of misery. And that's better because there's like a 4% difference mm-hmm. and you're going in the right direction. There you go. Mm-hmm. Small changes. So those, just small changes. Mm-hmm. And each of those changes builds your confidence that a, you can handle this situation and you can survive it. That like the other people that are making you miserable don't have mythological power. Right, right. And and each time that, because we, of course we have to talk about this over and over again, so each time something happens, it provides practice. It's not a time to freak out. It's that right. time to, okay, great. Now we can practice these skills. Not, you know, just looking for the bright side. Life is going to constantly give us these opportunities to practice these conflict skills and to deal with the garbage that's coming our way. And hopefully, as we get older, we feel more confident in dealing with those with a little less uh, of uh, our adults helping us and a little bit of more of ourselves taking that first step forward. Absolutely. Okay. This, this makes a lot of sense. And I love your, your definitive way of talking about drama versus bullying. I often talk about bullying as being aggressive. The balance of power is unequal. It's consistent and it's deliberate. And that there's a little bit more of, um, a, a little bit more of a difference when you're coming to bullying because it's not for entertainment purposes on the side of the receiver in any way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I liked that you really picked that part out where you were talking about drama. I know that people often talk about how they're, it's almost like they're in a, a TV show and mm-hmm. you know, some of these teens mm-hmm. are talking to us and they say, yeah, it's, it's like they're, they're on their own reality show and it's part of the, it's part of the game. So we have to be yes, aware exactly. of that. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, uh, it's not just the kids that have these reality show moments. It's also <laughs> <laughs> it's also the adults. And and sometimes, I mean, I think we should talk about there's an awareness of our own behavior that we need to have as parents. We have feelings. We get frustrated. We also, you know, get angry. And so can you talk a little bit about 
how parents are kind of involved with the problem and maybe how they can be involved in the solution simply by looking at their own behavior. Sure. Um, so there's so many ways in which this is affecting young people, um, teenagers and young people, which is their, the way in which the adults in their lives are managing social media. Mm. So we can start with the fact of the hypocrisy of like, yes, you know, we're on our phone because we think our work is really important, but our kids think their social lives are really important. And so they're looking at your work and saying, you're doing the same thing as I am. You're mm. constantly on the phone. Right. So you, so that, that hypocrisy, that lack of consistency is really important. And, you know, truly, unless you're like in the, like an emergency health, you know, situation, like you're a doctor and you're on call or, you know, a, psychi a psychiatrist, psychologist, but you really need to be on call for people's health and safety, then these things can wait. And mm -hmm. it's really important for us to be able to know that and to be able to apply the same rules that we apply to our kids. So we should be all charging our phones in somebody's office or we should all be doing, we should all remove not just the, from the dining room, but from our bodies when we're <laughs> eating, like our, you know, our devices. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is that I want parents to go back and look over there like last month of social media. And I want you to, I want you to look and see like, what have you posted about your family? Because mm -hmm. are you presenting this like perfectly branded view mm -hmm. of your family? And are you, for example, especially for people who have daughters, like look at what you're posting mm -hmm. and then look at people's comments because people's comments about people's daughters are usually entirely focused on her appearance. Ugh, so yeah. it is like, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. You better lock her away in a closet. <laughs> and then we can't be surprised if we're going to do that. And we want to post things because we want to generate, you know, this kind of affirmation from people about our beautiful children. Right. You can't be surprised that your 12 year old daughter is going to take a picture that she thinks is going to garner the same kind of affirmation, but that's going to be in a bra pic. Mm -hmm. That's going to be in like hers trying to be super sexy because right. for her, it's the same motivation of I'm trying to get attention from people. I'm trying to get affirmation. Right. So I want parents to look at their social media and I want them to see like, am I trying to present some perfect life on social media that doesn't really exist? Am I trying to like create a PR campaign for my family that <laughs> actually is not authentic? Right. So, and why am I doing that? Right. So, and the other part is, can we please stop posting stuff that's only about our children? Like, I really think parents are so extraordinarily boring. Mm -hmm. I, I have to tell you, mm -hmm. because all they do is talk about their kids. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm a parenting expert, right? right. By, like, by training. And it's just extraordinary to me about our social lives. It's not like when we're having problems with our kids that we talk to our friends about it, but we need to have more diverse topics of conversation than our children right. with other people. Oh, so there's that, good. the like mm -hmm. branding of our, of our lives mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. And then there's the conflicts. So what I'm hearing from, from kids quite a bit is that they are, they know that their parents are, are going after people online. They know when their parents are anonymously commenting, they know because of the political climate we're in that parents are going after people who disagree with them politically and are being really snarky and nasty. And so, the, you know, I just had a, a group of kids who said to me, I never do the things that my parents do mm. online. I, I, wow. do not, I do not bully people online. I do not comment anonymously. And my parents do. Mm. Right. So we've got, really got to get a handle on this right. because we just have no credibility. And, you know, one of the kids I talked to recently I said to him, could you talk to your parents about this? Like, not like, mm -hmm. you know, in your face kind of way, but could you say to them, like, this is important to me, um, you know, and um, 
And, you know, he said to me, no, because they would just laugh at me and tell me that it's not, you know, that it doesn't matter. Right. And then they also said, they also said, um, and one kid said to me in the group, yeah, proof doesn't matter. Oh, wow. I mean, that's very eye opening. And, you know, I'm th- considering my own behavior online in terms of, you know, what I post about my children and and the pictures that I post. Um, I do have a parenting group where we're blatantly honest <laughs> with each other, <laughs> thankfully, because it, you've, you've really got to find that um, that relationship mm-hmm. that you have with a friend or other parents, because to constantly put out that perfect family is is just absurd. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's not not healthy. So I, I appreciate what you're saying, especially about removing our devices and our and the branding uh, of ourselves because we want our kids to live authentically and we want kids to be plugged into real life in front of their face when they are with us at the dinner table. So I really appreciate what you're saying. Uh, Is there one piece of advice, one tip, one absolute takeaway that you would want listeners to use with regard to this topic, even if they did nothing else? I think we have to give ourselves a break. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be like not jump to conclusions about people's bad intentions. Mm-hmm. So I think, or beat ourselves up for making a mistake with our children. Right. Right. Um, I think we really have just gotten to a place and it's more and more intense that we think the worst of each other and we don't take a moment to give ourselves a break, give other people a break, to ask a question before mm-hmm. we assume the worst about people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, Overall, I think we all need to be doing that, regardless if we're parenting or not, is to not just, you know, people can make mistakes and um, and just, you know, this, this jumping and assuming that people are coming from the worst of places or are stupid or are, mm-hmm. you know, like have no right to an opinion or, you know, all of these things mm-hmm. just are just it does it really when we do that, we literally are creating toxicity in our communities yes. and we're yes. contributing to it. And I, if there's one thing I could ask parents to do is to um, is to really stop and think before we do that. Yes. And it, that includes, by the way, the way we think about ourselves. Right. Because I know that parents really can beat themselves up, too, for the mistakes that they perceive that they've made. I, I think that's important. One of my friends always says, don't don't assume you know the whole story already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, th- I think that's what you're saying. So tell us, how can our listeners find out more about you and how you help parents, how you help children succeed in this area. Where should they go? Um, well, my website is culturesofdignity.com and our Twitter handle is cultures O dignity. Oh. There's no F. I don't know what happened with that. Somebody took it. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram with my name, Rosalind Wiseman. And, um, and, you know, really reach out to us because we're doing some pretty awesome work with um, schools and with communities around the country on these issues. I will be sure to get that information out as it comes to and make sure that everybody is aware of all the wonderful things that you supply. Thank you so very much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anytime. I just totally appreciate what you do as well. Oh, thank you. I think you just gave us some really clear and easy to follow takeaways. And I know that parents and educators can use those 
right away when speaking to kids about respect and dignity. I loved what you said, said about providing three things to talk about on when you're talking to another parent. I love that you're talking about branding and how adults should help out but not take over. These are all really important nuggets that we can use right away, and especially that one about removing our devices because the example that we provide is what our kids are going to reflect right back at us. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I can't wait to hear yours truly. Let's discuss them. Come up onto Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Dr. Robin Silverman or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. There's so much to discuss. And if you love this podcast and believe it was helpful, if there was one nugget of information that you know you'll use, something Rosalind said that made a difference to you, maybe to a friend of yours, would you kindly go up to iTunes and take a moment to rate and review this podcast and then pass it on so that others can use Rosalind Wiseman's great tips in their lives to help their children. I would really, truly appreciate it. It would mean the world to me. Thank you all for spending some time with me today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms, gathering the tools, and celebrating the sunny side of life together. And remember, even when nothing is going right, or it seems like that anyway, you've got this. You're here, you're getting the information you need, and on the days that we fall short, and you know we all have them, never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. And yes, even when you doubt your know-how, your choices, and your sweet, sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.